Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. For those interested in additional resources or services, such as the weekly planners, online planners for Chrome or Outlook, keynotes, live training, coaching, or certification, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. Now, when you listen to an episode that resonates with you, we invite you to share it with your family, friends, and team members so that they can experience the same type of motivation and results in their lives. Also, if you haven't already subscribed, please hit the subscribe button. It works on Apple, Stitcher, Google, or whatever platform you're using so that you can get a new podcast reminder each week. Now sit back, let's get started, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to our wonderful Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you may be in the world today. At this special time of year, Thanksgiving, we'd love to express our gratitude and thanksgiving for you. This is Steve Schallenberger, your host for this Becoming Your Best podcast, and we are inspired by the heart-penetrating quote by Margaret Mead. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. This has never been truer today than in any time in the world's history. This change in the world can be a quiet, small, and subtle, good, and set of worthy acts, and the world is never the same again. Those small, quiet, and subtle, good acts can grow to have an impact far beyond what one would have ever imagined possible. An example of that are the simple, quiet, and enduring acts of the pilgrims and pioneers of the world. Often, these were individuals that struggled for survival, one foot in front of the other, wondering if they'd ever even make it. But their thoughtful, committed passion for an idea and cause moved them forward, working to do what seemed right and good. And today, we are the beneficiaries of these amazing actions, simple as they may have been. Recently, I saw a moving account of the early pilgrims who arrived on the Mayflower in the New World on the History Channel. And I'd like to share parts of that account today. It really begins with the background of Thanksgiving by sharing that Thanksgiving Day is now a national holiday, which is well known in the United States, and it occurs on the fourth Thursday of each November. So where did this tradition come from? And the best we can tell, this is the background. In 1621, almost 400 years ago, getting close to that, the Plymouth colonists and the Wampanoa Indians shared, well, it happened to be an autumn harvest fest that is acknowledged today as perhaps the first Thanksgiving celebration in the colonies. For more than two centuries, days of Thanksgiving were celebrated by individual colonies and states. And it wasn't really until 1863, in the midst of the Civil War, that President Abraham Lincoln proclaimed a national Thanksgiving Day to be held each November. Well, let's just think about this Thanksgiving at Plymouth. In early 1620, a small ship called the Mayflower left Plymouth, England. 
carrying 102 passengers, an assortment of religious separatists seeking a new home where they could freely practice their faith and other individuals lured by the promise of prosperity and land ownership in the new world. And after a treacherous and very uncomfortable crossing that lasted 66 days, they dropped anchor near the tip of Cape Cod, far north of their intended destination at the mouth of the Hudson River. And one month later, the Mayflower crossed Massachusetts Bay, where the pilgrims, as they are now commonly known, began the work of establishing a village at Plymouth. Did you know what they ate, for example? Let's just put ourselves past there. And and, and by the way, we know what these terrible winters are like on the New England coast. But, for example, they ate lobster, seal, and swans. That's what was on the pilgrims' menu. And throughout that first brutal winter, most of the colonists remained on board the ship where they suffered from exposure, scurvy, and outbreaks of contagious diseases. Only half of the Mayflower's original passengers and crew lived to see their first New England spring. It was extraordinary. In March, the remaining settlers moved ashore where they received an astonishing visit from an Abenaki Indian who greeted them in English. (laughs) Several days later, he returned with another Native American, Squanto, a member of the Potexic tribe who had been kidnapped by an English sea captain and sold into slavery before escaping to London and then returning to his homeland on an exploratory expedition. Squanto taught the pilgrims, weakened by malnutrition and illness, how to cultivate corn, extract sap from maple leaves, catch fish in the rivers, and avoid poisonous plants. He also helped the settlers forge an alliance with the Wampanoa, a local tribe, which would endure for more than 50 years and tragically remain one of the sole examples of harmony between European colonists and Native Americans. So this Squanto is one example of these quiet, small deeds, thoughtful, committed individuals that change the world. It could be said that if it wasn't for a mentor, someone like that, that perhaps the pilgrims may not have survived. In October 1621, after the pilgrims' first corn harvest proved successful, Governor William Bradford, and I might add, I am a direct descendant He is my ninth great-grandfather, organized a celebratory feast and invited a group of the fledgling colonies, Native American allies to join them, including the Wampanoa chief, Massasoit. And now remembered as America's first Thanksgiving, although the pilgrims themselves may not have used the term at the time, clearly the festival lasted (laughs) for three days and was full of Thanksgiving. And while no record exists of the historic banquet and what the menu was, the Pilgrims historian Edward Winslow wrote in his journal that Governor Bradford sent four men on a fowling mission, hunting the fowl, (laughs) in preparation for the event, and that the Wampanoa guest arrived bearing five deer. Historians have suggested that many of the dishes 
were likely prepared using traditional Native American spices and cooking methods. And because the pilgrims had no oven and the Mayflower's sugar supply had dwindled by the fall of 1621, the meal did not probably feature pies, cakes, or other desserts, which had become a hallmark of contemporary celebrations. It's interesting because the pilgrims held their second Thanksgiving celebration in 1623 to mark the end of a long drought that had threatened the year's harvest and prompted Governor Bradford to call for a religious feast. Also, a fast preceding that feast. Days of fasting and thanksgiving on an annual or occasional basis became the common practice in other New England settlements as well. And during the American Revolution, the Continental Congress designated one or more days of Thanksgiving a year. And in 1789, George Washington issued the first Thanksgiving proclamation by the national government of the United States. And in it, he called upon Americans to express their gratitude for the happy conclusion to the country's war of independence and the successful ratification of the United States Constitution. His successors, John Adams and James Madison, also designated days of thanks during their presidencies. You can imagine how powerful these days of thanksgiving were to contemplate their roots, the struggles that they had come from, and the blessings that they had experienced of prosperity through all these difficulties and setbacks. In 1817, New York became the first of several states to officially adopt an annual Thanksgiving holiday. Each celebrated it on a different day. However, it was interesting, the American South really remained largely unfamiliar with this tradition. And then in 1827, the noted magazine editor and prolific writer Sarah Josepha Hale, an author among countless other things, of the nursery rhyme, Mary Had a Little Lamb, (laughs) launched a campaign to establish Thanksgiving as a national holiday. And for 36 years, Sarah published numerous editorials and sent scores of letters to governors, senators, presidents, and other politicians. (laughs) Remember, a thoughtful, committed, small group can change the world. Well, this was the case with Sarah. Abraham Lincoln finally heeded her request in 1863 and at the height of the Civil War in a proclamation entreating all Americans to ask God to commend to his tender care all those who had become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife and to heal the wounds of the nation. He scheduled Thanksgiving for the final Thursday in November. And it was celebrated on that day every year until 1939, when Franklin D. Roosevelt moved the holiday up a week in an attempt to spur retail sales during the Great Depression. Roosevelt's plan, known divisively as Thanksgiving, <laughs> was met with passionate opposition. And then in 1941, the president reluctantly signed a bill making Thanksgiving the fourth Thursday in November, where it remains until today. And it's likely that the pilgrims were not the first to begin this tradition, as many throughout the world thought to pause 
and give thanks. As a matter of fact, historians have recorded other ceremonies of thanks among European settlers in North America that predate the pilgrim celebration. In 1565, for instance, the Spanish explorer Pedro Menendez de Avila invited members of the local Timuacua tribe to a dinner in St. Augustine, Florida, after holding a mass to thank God for his crew's safe arrival. And on December 4th, 1619, when 38 British settlers reached a site known as Berkeley, a hundred on the banks of the Virginia's James River, they read a proclamation designating the day, and that date, as a day of thanksgiving to Almighty God. Although the American concept of thanksgiving developed in the colonies of New England, its roots actually can be traced back to the other side of the Atlantic. Both the separatists who came over on the Mayflower and the Puritans who arrived soon after brought with them a tradition of providential holidays, days of fasting during difficult or pivotal moments, days of feasting and celebration to thank God in times of plenty. So as an annual celebration of harvest and its bounty, moreover, Thanksgiving falls under a category of festivals that spans cultures, continents, and millennia. In the ancient days, the Egyptians, Greeks, and Romans feasted and paid tribute to their gods after the fall harvest. Thanksgiving also bears a resemblance to the ancient Jewish harvest festival of Sukkot, or Sukkot. Finally, historians have noted that Native Indians, Americans, have a rich tradition of commemorating the fall harvest with feasting and merrymaking long before Europeans set foot on their shores. So I'm grateful for those few thoughtful, committed citizens, committed people, committed individuals whose thoughts to pause and give thanks including my ninth great-grandfather, Governor William Bradford, who continues to inspire me for so many good reasons, continues today. How can you and I give thanks today? How can the spirit of thanksgiving be meaningful in our lives every day? May I suggest three actions you and I can take that are thoughtful, that can change the world, at least our world. Number one is carry a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving in your life. Because gratitude can help you maintain an abundant attitude, which perspective enlarges your soul and helps you to have deeper and closer relationships and develop greater opportunities. A wonderful activity that you can do with your family or team is to provide a blank sheet of paper and give each person five to seven minutes to write down as many things as possible that you or they are grateful for. Once completed, share some of the things that you came up with. So how does this family activity impact you? Well, it's really powerful. And you can reflect on what are things that you're grateful about. About 10 years ago, we did this activity as a family Yesterday, I discovered the list created by my wife, Roxanne, who passed away two years ago. The items that she listed touch me just as much today as when she wrote them. And I would like to 
share these with you today. Her gratitude continues to bless our family. It is a powerful force for good. And as I read these things that she is grateful for, perhaps they will create a reflection for you. And we invite each one of you to participate, consider participating in this activity of just pulling out a sheet of paper and writing down everything that you can think of that you're grateful for. And who knows that in 10 years from now, and actually in the time between now and then, that it will continue to influence your life. Here we go. Things I am grateful for done by my wife, Roxanne. Family, love, gospel, life, eternity, books, parents, children, problems, smiles, laughter, music, example, knowledge, truth, learning, the spirit, inspiration, hugs, kisses, I love yous, thank yous, kind words, successes, friends and home, fires and warmth, an air conditioner, (laughs) scriptures, teachers, people who help us, differences and how people are different, especially those among us, fun times, growing times, our pets, Heavenly Father, health, talents, patience, food and air, clocks, medical help, cleanliness, reading, languages, transportation, living abroad, jobs, my citizenship, sports, education, weather, sun, the moon, money, and beds. (laughs) I love that. It's a touching list. It means more to me today than it did the time that we took it. So this is very powerful. And every moment, take a moment to pause and count your blessings. That's number one, is just take a moment and count your blessings. Number two, look for the good in other people. Granted, good may be harder to find in some people more than others. However, look for the good in all people. Be patient. Try to bring out the good in all people that you encounter. Set a goal to make at least three compliments per day of things that you see in other people. They will benefit from this initiative on your part. However, you will gain and learn from others at the very same time. Everyone wins. This creates a better and more productive world. And number three, regardless of what happens in your life, say, What a blessing. And then think of a reason why it is so. This attitude will put you in a better place to handle all adversity and situations and to end up in a better place with a better attitude. May these three things count your blessings. Look for good in other people. And regardless of what happens in life, say, what a blessing. These are powerful habits. And let them be a focus that will bless you and others throughout your life. These are the thoughtful, committed actions that change a world, at least your world and those around you. 
During this wonderful time of year, may you especially enjoy the spirit of thanksgiving, while at the same time being committed to carrying this spirit 365 days a year throughout your life. And on behalf of the Becoming Your Best team, we want you to know how grateful we are for you. Happy Thanksgiving now and forever. This is Steve Schallenberger, your host, wishing you all the best today and always. Thank you for listening to the Becoming Your Best podcast. If there was something in this podcast that you felt would be helpful for a family member, a friend, or even a coworker, we invite you to share this podcast with them now while you're thinking about it. Also, remember to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Now, for additional resources and tools, such as how to join our monthly peak performance coaching program, or how to get certified as a trainer or coach, or schedule a workshop or keynote, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. So thank you for listening and have a wonderful day and a great week.